train. If I have to walk, I'm going there. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. And thank you. Happy New Year the day after. Hopefully this will be our year, uh, 20 to 21. But we once again, we got a great show planned for you. And we kind of really, normally, when people who control the money and the finance, it's normally the women. In most cultures, the men make the money and then they leave it to the women to disperse. So today we have that in store for you and we can accept calls at uh, area code 314 No, we can't take any more calls. No, no. No. Let me go ahead. Okay. Well, they say that we are, we're so booked up that we won't be taking any calls. But let me proceed. Unfortunately, in our remembrance and <clears throat> dialogue, we have, uh, based on the count that we received, there have been 349 deaths in the United States. And the dialogue also, since we're in the football season, we lost Floyd Little, a former ball player with the Denver Broncos. So what we'll do, we'll get started on our show today. So now let me turn it over to, first what we'll do, we will have our two co-hosts tell the people exactly what they do because this is something with each show a lot of people might not know. We're also recruiting uh, members for the United Minority Media Association and we also have a component called the Financial Component which will be recruiting people and also young people. So let's get started. I'll start out with uh, Judge Martina uh, Peterson and then Rona Holloman Hughes. Let's get started. And then we have our guest that's on the line already, ladies and gentlemen, ready to tell you what they do, and we'll proceed with that. Now, for the people that you might know, you might want to text or email, just have them go to Ferguson. USA, hottalkradio.com. Take it away, Judge. Hi, this is Judge Martina Peterson. I'm a judge here in Kansas City in the municipal court. And I have my co-host, Rona. Happy New Year, everybody. This is Rona Holland-Hughes. I'm Assistant Federal Public Defender here in the Western District, Missouri. Today, we're going to hopefully start um, you off on the New Year, right? Financially, we have um, three uh, individuals who will tell us uh, not only how to get ourselves together, um, but how to uh, get our kids started off in the right direction. Um, so um, we're going to start with Miss um, Benita Massey, who's going to tell us, she's a estate planner, and she's going to tell us how to um, get our end-of-the-life plans together. Miss Peterson, you want to introduce Miss Massey? Okay, I think Anita Mass is a good close friend of mine. I went to law school with her years ago. Okay, not that many years ago, just a few years ago. <laughs> <laughs> just a few. 
been very active in Kansas City and the black community here. She uh, focuses on her solo law firm and practice for estate planning and probate matters. She uh, did my will and she did Romy's will. Um, she's recently retired from the Social Security Administration Office of Hearing Operations after 29 years of working with them. In addition to her full-time employment, she also maintained a limited private law practice for the last 25 years. Uh, she is a native of Kansas City and received her bachelor's degree in public administration with a concentration in sociology from Drake University in Des Moines, Iowa in 1979. She got her doctorate degree from UMKC in 1993. She's a practice law in Kansas. And she's also had various leadership positions uh, with churches, nonprofit organizations, and, and including music and benevolence ministries, Rosebrook Center, Development Systems, Inc., Missouri Bar Leadership Academy. Uh, she's a past president of the Jackson County Bar Association, which is a black law association here in Kansas City. And she's also an author for the Missouri Bar Death Book Series. She was a member of the Office of Chief Disciplinary Counsel Hearing Panel. And she's currently affiliated with the Jackson County Bar Foundation and Director and Treasurer of the Bar Plan Surety and Fidelity Company. Uh, she's been married for 44 years. Uh, 40 years, and is a mother of three adult children, including a set of twins and one grandson. So, Belita, we're very happy to have you here with us today. Judge Peterson, I'm glad to be here, and I thank you and Rona for inviting me. Um, I thought I would um, quickly go over some of the myths that I hear with regard to estate planning, and I think that might help plant a seed for people who might be considering it or even those who have never considered an estate plan. So some of the myths that I hear are, I'm not rich, so I don't need an estate plan. And my answer to that would be no. If you have a car, a bank account, a house, investments of any kind, you have an estate. Also, if you have loved ones that depend on you, you need a plan. So an estate plan is more than just a will. I like to consider it life planning because it addresses more than what happens to your stuff after you die. Therefore, whether you're wealthy or not so wealthy, you need a plan. What does an estate plan do? It can protect those who depend on you and your income. You can name a guardian for minor children. You can control who receives your assets on your death, your family members, loved ones, organizations. Otherwise, the laws of the state where you live dictate who receives your property. And you might have never even heard of those folks. You can transfer property with tax considerations in mind. So if you're wealthy, careful planning can, can reduce your tax liability. You can name your own personal representative. And in some cases, if you opt to do a living will, you can avoid probate. Having a will necessitates your estate being handled through probate court. So even if you die without a will, without planning, your family will go to probate court. And in the state plan, you can document the type of care you'd like to receive if you become ill or incapacitated, including what, if any, life-prolonging medical care you want. You can allow your representative to access your digital assets, all of those social media accounts and online banking and day trading that you're doing now online. You can also eliminate or reduce chaos in your family, and I think that's critical. I also sometimes hear that I'm too young for an estate plan. But if you have any of the things that I mentioned above, a car, a bank account, or investments, it should be clear to you by now that you need an estate plan. 
Another method I hear about estate planning is only for distributing assets after your death, and that's not really true. Appearing in an estate plan also includes legacy planning, like charitable goals and giving strategies. As I just mentioned, it also allows for you to plan for your incapacity, and you can no longer determine what it is you want to happen. As we know, medical technology can keep us alive, and we might not even be aware of our surroundings. Planning in advance of those events can help can make navigating those things less stressful on family members and loved ones and avoid the time and expense of asking the court to intervene by naming a guardian or conservator to decide about your care and how to handle your affairs. A third myth that I often hear is the will will oversee all of my assets, and that's not really true either. Certain assets don't go through your will. As long as there's a beneficiary designation, assets such as life insurance, 401ks, and IRAs don't pass your will. The benefit will be paid directly to those named beneficiaries. Likewise, any bank account with a pay-on-death designation or a car with a transfer-on-death designation, it will pass directly to that named beneficiary. In some cases... Uh, for parents especially, you don't want your 18-year-old son or daughter getting $100,000 in cash through a life insurance policy. So that might be an important time for you to sit down and consider whether you want your life insurance to flow through another vehicle so that the money is given to your children um, periodically, not all at once, unless you have a very responsible 18-year-old. Another myth. Once I put an estate plan in place, I don't need to look at it again. Not true. You should review a estate plan and your beneficiary designation frequently. I suggest my clients review their estate plan every three to five years or as life changes occur before marriage, death, grandchildren. Myth number five it's cheaper to do my own will. Oh my goodness, where do I start? <laughs> Do you change the electrical outlets in your house? Is the potential of setting your house on fire worth it? Can you diagnose your own medical condition? Well, okay, some of us might. But you see my point. Let professionals do what professionals do. I do want to warn people that a lot of times there's things on the internet that you can get that set up your own will, but you need to understand that different states have different laws. And those things are based on general laws across the country because they're not state-specific. So if you do do your own will, you're probably not going to use the right law in the state of Missouri. And, and that's true, Judge Peterson, and I agree that uh, those things exist, and people are not always skilled in understanding the difference. A lot of them say they're specific to state laws, but there are other things that people miss when they're trying to think their own will. Um, I had a client once who tried to disinherit her daughter. She had nine children, and the, the tenth one that she didn't want to get any money had had some concerns with drug history. And uh, but the way she did her will, the will was not properly executed, so that it couldn't be submitted to court. Uh, or if the family did submit it to court, they were going to have to go through and jump hoops to find out and cost more money to find out where those witnesses that actually saw her execute that will were. There are a lot of things that are in the play that, that as a lay person, you're not aware of. 
um, as, as the previously stated, rules are governed by state law, and every state has a different rule as to how to handle it, how it should be executed, how it should be drafted. So it's important, I think, for that one reason that you should go to the professional. I've been asked to draft rules to people who live in Illinois. I can't do that. As a, even though I know about wills and trusts, I can't do that. I don't, I'm not practicing in Illinois. So it, it's difficult for a professional to do it for another person in another state. It's even more complicated for a lay person to try to remove all the things that could arise. The other thing is important is when an attorney sits down with you to do an estate plan, they're looking long-term and they're planning for scenarios that you might not even think would occur. And you miss that when you try to do it on yourself. Okay, I've covered some business. Let me, let me do a couple of honorable mention ones. I'm married, so everything is out of my spouse anyway. Well, that depends on how your property titles in a uh, States like Missouri, we state different, but if in Missouri and Mary and only one spouse's name is on the property, that property is between the spouse and the children who are common to those spouses. So it doesn't necessarily go to your spouse alone. Another one I hear is my family will do the right thing. Well, the truth of the matter is legally, if you're a beneficiary of a life insurance policy, and even though your mother said, this is to pay my funeral bill, I don't have to do that. The only thing they're legally obligated to do is put the money in the pocket. So if you want certain things to happen, if you want your funeral paid, if you want them to share with their brothers and sisters, make a plan so that you can have more certainty that that will happen. Um, I believe everybody knows somebody in their family who had a dispute with a sibling when a parent passed. And it's happened in my family on more than one occasion. And um, although you do want to do what's right and what they want, your emotions come in, and then somebody wants something that somebody else wants. So it's best, like Benita said, to make sure that you have a plan and make sure everybody knows what that is. You know, just what I'm doing by Tim of Commerce, I think one of the things that in the black community, we all know as kids as we grew up, we went to funerals, and there always was a fight among somebody, and we kids did not know why. We would have these fights or discussions as we got older. And as we got older, we kind of found out they were fighting about money. Uh, the person had the most assets, they wouldn't have had the biggest fights. In the exactly. Family. Okay. <laughs> you know, when you don't have a lot of assets, you think well, there, there should be some there, and I want my share. Yeah, and, 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 anybody, and anybody in the family, if you had something, they thought that you had to like hide and achieve, so to speak. Exactly. So, so you're on top of it, and you got to knock the cheese. <laughs> and, and, they, and they want to know, where's my piece of cheese? And I think that's... If you got the cheese, if you got the cheese. Who has it? I think that ties into, it's important to talk about these things with among your family. Um, not only that you've done an estate plan, you want to tell them, you want to tell the person that you may need to be in charge, where can they find the document? Um, talk to your family about what kind of things you want to happen at the end of your life. So we talked a little about will the other vehicle, primary vehicle of doing an estate plan is a living trust, a revocable in a private trust. But those also documents when we talk about life planning that help plan for when you're still here. And those documents are powers of attorney. 
um, you name a person called an attorney in fact to act under your power of attorney and they can make decisions for you immediately or you can arrange it so that they're making decisions for you even if you're incapacitated if the doctor says you're incompetent and can't make legal decisions or for when you have a medical condition and you're not a, you're not able to make legal decisions. And those are events that happen in the future. So they really are not handling your business until the need arises. The other document is a living will, often confused with the last will and testament. A living will is a healthcare director. Do you want to be on life support? Do you want it to be integrated? What kind of treatment do you want at the end of your life? It's important to communicate with your family about that as well as put it in writing so that your medical doctors, your medical personnel know, and that all of your family members know what your wishes are. Do you all have any questions of me since I hear some other families on the line? Anything I missed, Judge Peters? Well, well, you know, know, Jared, one person we have on the line is Miss Nikki Wilson. She works with Justin Peterson. She works with, she's like a a business consultant. Plus, she's also a trailblazer nominee. So, Nikki, can you kind of, you know, jump in here? Because you're looking at things from a different perspective because you have people who have businesses. What are your thoughts about what's been said so far? Miss Nikki, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Okay, what are your thoughts about what's been said so far? Since you work with businesses, what's on your the family aspects when the wheel comes into play? Well, a lot of the times with businesses, we use the collateral to secure the loan for the businesses, and a lot of times it may not be a clear deed. So that's what we run into, um, finding people that don't have their deed secure and don't know about the property and all of that when they're trying to secure a loan. Okay, and, and so when a person dies, that loan kind of goes off to that person's estate. Exactly. And then we have to go through the courts and that property that was on the title and the deed has to be cleared. So that's another process that people don't realize. Right, and people don't take care of, I, not so much in Missouri, but in Kansas, I run into people who don't understand how they deed their title. Um, and, and that should also be part of what I call life planning. That people um, um, periodically review their documents so that you know how things are, are titled. And I'm not sure, um, do, do you have a recommendation, Nikki, on, on how people can circumvent that problem that you're seeing? Well, most definitely, when we're securing loans, we make sure we have the title insurance for our clients. Mm-hmm. and make sure that they don't have issues going forward because we have a lot of people that make services or use their properties for the business to secure the loan. And, of course, we're not in the business to take property. And we right. don't want that, but that's what we run into a lot of the time. And then even when you're dealing with, like you said, um, funerals and things like that, when you're dealing with that, a lot of people don't realize they might not have, not have paid on the policy, especially when it's time to bury someone. You might not have, you don't know that the policy is incurred, and you assume when you go to the criminal home, it's available and everything's covered, and the, and then the, the insurance might have lapsed. 
So it's just finding out, like you said, having that conversation with your family before to know, because like we all live and we're all going to die. But having that conversation with your family before it happens, so that way you're prepared. And then they assume, okay, and it's a lot of things within, you know, Medicaid, Medicare, if you were on that, and then that property, you're assuming that, oh, well, my mom paid her house off. But what's going on with the health insurance right now is that if they were on Medicaid or Medicare, that property can sometimes become a part of the state. And you're assuming because my mom's paid off the house, oh, she has nothing, you know, we own the house because my mom paid for it, but it could just they can come in and take the home. They can and generally they would they would generally they do that if the person's been in the nursing home after two years, they'll start aggressively going after that. But mm-hmm. they should have received some notice of that for sure. And I know anytime I open an estate, I have to notify the state of Missouri and the state is being open, and they will then tell me if that person owes them money. So the state, with regard to Medicaid in particular, is going to be almost first in line if you open an estate. If there's money there, they're going to want to get their money back. And, and that's the disconnection with the family and the children and whomever might have, because as they get older, and I'm not saying for everyone, they might not have relayed that to the family because us as African Americans, we like to, our parents like to keep financial things private. Private. And then, you, and then it's too late. And then when you get ready to think, oh, I have insurance, or we have this property. And then, like you said, with Medicare, it will go to the state first. And you may, because we put somebody in a nursing home, which we generally don't do that. Um, but that can happen. And I've seen it. So the state planning and Making sure you have those conversations, especially going forward, um, once you know, have those conversations with your family members to make sure you have all your ducks in a row and everything prepared. You know, we as African-Americans don't like to have those conversations. We all don't want them to know what I have and all this. And then when we pass away and our parents have worked so hard and, yeah. and sacrificed and, and paid it off, but then the state comes in and takes it, it's like, you know, everybody's surprised, but not knowing the rules or the things, the logistics that go behind the whole process. And so exactly. it's, just, it's just being proactive because at the time we live in right now, nothing's promised every day, you know, so that's the immediate conversation to start off the year with is talking about, you know, your, especially if you have elderly parents, I'm dealing with that right now, I have elderly parents, and my mom has laid out everything and we've talked about everything and we know where everything's at and it's okay, you know. To do that, it's just to secure it. And to me, that's the best thing that you can do for your family members, your mother, your father, or whomever that has paid off, you know, paid off a mortgage, especially, you know, that worked hard and did all that. So right now, it's the time to have those conversations starting off. I would agree with that. And the last thing I would like to say is that you don't, because when you go into a hospital anymore, when you take your elderly mother to a hospital, they're putting a lot of papers in front of them. They're mm-hmm. asking them to sign a do not resuscitate order. They're asking them to sign uh, a power of attorney sometimes. I've seen hospitals do that. Those are not the times to be making a decision like that when you're under the duress of having of needing medical treatment. So the best thing you can do is communicate with your family and do this planning well in advance of an emergency. You can review it. It's not nothing is set in stone until you close your eyes or if you can't 
communicate or making good decisions anymore. So do it in advance of, being, of needing it, and then you have it in place kind of as an insurance policy that things are more in order than they're not. So I just say make a plan, make any plan in your family will thank you for it. And the other thing is this. A lot of times we wait until somebody gets sick in our family to sit down and make a plan. But according to statistics, um, these are 2014-2010 statistics, but there was 2,626,000 people over that many people that died accidentally. And 30,296 people died in car accidents. You don't plan mm-hmm. for those things and know that's coming. And that's not sometimes your elderly mom. Sometimes it could be your middle-aged mom with three young people. Trying to get to work one morning, or I'm retired. Well, that's not true. <laughs> I mean, it could be any of us, and none of us have COVID. And look how many of us, I think he's like 340,000 Americans have died. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 29,000 Americans have died. So that, that is nothing we wouldn't ever anticipate. But yeah, it's important to have a plan in place for when those unforeseen things. And it takes the pressure off of the families as well, because when you have a loved one who is going through some medical issues, and we had this with my dad who passed this last year, you know, we had a fight about what type of treatment he could get and when it should stop and what we could do. And so there's three of us in there fighting with the doctor, and everybody has a different opinion on how they want things to go. And it got ugly. Because we didn't sit down, we didn't want to have that conversation, and so we had to have it between the three of us, fighting and didn't want to excuse my father, but it got up here. Yep. So, we, um, Benito, I yes. think we have um, Nikki, um, I think we need to um, get more information about what you do and how businesses can plan um, starting this new year, so that we can move on to, um, I think, um, Miss Martin. Um, it's going to uh, tell us how to get our kids to be um, uh, financially savvy. So, Nikki, can you introduce yourself to me? Hello? Nikki? Did we lose Nikki? Okay. Okay. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Hello. Um, I'm Nikki Wilson. I am a asset building counselor at Justine Peterson, which is located in St. Louis, Missouri, but we also service the Kansas City, Missouri area as well. Um, we are one of the number one CDFIs in Missouri, which is a community development financial institution. And what I mean by that, we are there for the black community as well as, uh, as, well as other uh, minorities. And that's who we primarily service. We're between a payday lender and a bank. Um, as we all know, over the past couple of years, even though a lot of the banks have been bailed out and things like that, they are not here. The corporate banks are not here to really help our community. Um, so we are there to help bridge that gap. Um, Justin Peterson has been around for over 20 years. And my day-to-day operations of what I do is to we are a credit building based business, so we are a nonprofit. Everything we do is based on building credit and building assets for the community and the people that we serve. So what I mean, I, we start with the credit even, and then we help with small business people to start their business. Um, and we try to make them become successful. A lot of people want to start a small business, but everybody wants to be a boss and have a business. But we're trying to say where you are 
who's building the asset for your family and leaving a legacy and creating an overflow. So that's what I do on a day-to-day um, tell people, and we're not based on just a credit score because you can have a great credit score, you can have money in the bank, you can have a low debt-to-income ratio and collateral, but the bank still do not lend to our people as easy as they would to other people. So uh, we look at several things. We look at basic things. We build a relationship with our clients where if they have issues, I talk to my clients to say, what's going on? You didn't make your payment. And, I, and they can call me on my cell phone. So that's, that's the difference between us and a lot of bigger banks. We truly get to know and build relationships with our clients and they can come back to us and look at their credit report and see how they're doing. We look at their budgets and we see where there is need for financial maturity and, and all that. So that's what I do with St. Louis. So anybody that's trying to start a small business, we go from getting, helping, not helping you necessarily get the business plan together, but the structure of making sure you have your LLC. And then we'll partner with several attorneys and different things to where, okay, I need to, we have legal, we have legal clinics to where people can come and get information about laws of opening a business. We also have um, follow-up where people need to, oh, I want to grow and do this and, and, and all that. So we do several things in the community. And we also do housing counseling because we are trying to prepare, like I said, build assets and getting people financially secure because right now it's a great market to purchase a home. But understanding that the whole basis of having home ownership, we go through the home ownership counseling, we do small business homes, and we also do the credit building. Okay. Can you talk about and it's also, it's also the home of the Missouri Vaccine My Conference. We're located in Jesse Peterson Building at 1021 North Grand Boulevard in St. Louis, Missouri, in Midtown, St. Louis. Let me take this, let me take this opportunity uh, to introduce or reintroduce myself. MC Richardson, I am the host and executive producer of Guess Who's Coming to Kansas City, the one who are really behind or responsible for this much-needed show, and uh, we're normally not only black folks, but other people are not cognizant of what they need to do. I'm also the chairman, CEO, and the founder of the United Minority Media Association, which is a parent organization for this, and we are constantly recruiting people so that we can get them involved, and the people we have on the show, and we haven't heard from everyone you do have an opportunity to email or text someone to go to FergusonUSAHotTalkRadio.com. Now, let's proceed. Your ladies are doing a, a good job. An hour has promoted the Missouri Black Chamber versus the United Minority Media Association that governs this show. And also, MC, the president of Missouri Black Chamber Commerce in St. Louis, in Kansas City, Missouri, also. And there's some great people that we have on this program here today. I did want to ask a couple of questions of Nikki, uh, Ms. Wilson, about credit buildings. We have a lot of young people out here that don't understand the importance of credit building. And so what I want to ask you to explain to them is why it is important to build your credit up. What are the pitfalls and problems that causes you to have a hit on your credit? And what things you can do to, to rebound from that? Well, a lot of my clients, we look at different criteria to approve loans. And something I run into a lot is just simply being um, aware of your spending and how you spend. That debit card can be dangerous. 
A lot of people say, oh, I don't carry cash anymore. I just use that card. But that card being swiped, if you're not paying attention to how much you have going in, sometimes you need to just go ahead and take cash out, and that's all that you need to use. So when I'm dealing with clients, that's one of the things we look at, overdraft fees. If you are constantly having overdraft fees and you're not responsible financially enough to say, I'm going to give you a business loan because you're not focused on the everyday today spending. So that is one of the things we look at, um, especially with credit cards. When I was younger, I, you know, you turn 18, they're going to give you credit when you graduate high school. And people not being aware, that is money that you owe. It's not free money, um, especially something simple with credit cards. You always want to keep your credit card below 30% of the spending limit. So if it's a $100 spending limit on a secure credit card, you want to keep it below $30 and pay it off. And, it, it, you know, if I go into the full details of all of that, but just basic things, you know, base look at overdraft. We look at overdraft. That's a big thing. That's just to say that you have enough money. You're not overspending. And that's what credit cards are. The bank looks at it how long you've had it. Anytime somebody's trying to start a line of credit, and they look at how long you have to say, oh, I gave um, Mr. Jackson $1,000, but he's at $980 of it. That means he does not know how to use his credit card. You want to keep that below 30%. You want it to be at $300. And that's what makes your credit score boost. And then if you go over that, and it's also paying on time, most definitely. That's 30% of your credit report. Your car payment is 30% of your credit report. So those things right there are like 90% of your credit report. So, of course, paying on time, keeping it below 30%. And that's what you find when you get increases on your credit card because they look at it as you're not using it as an extension of your bank account. You, It's an emergency card. You leave that in a drawer, and that's the best thing to do. Just leave it in the drawer. Don't carry in your wallet every day. Not because they have a sale at Bath and Body Works or Home Goods. Or, oh, I just want to know. Like, for instance, what's going on with COVID. I need to buy groceries because we don't have food. But because you didn't use that credit card and you have that available amount, you can sustain on that. And even if you're getting unemployment, you can use that to pay down the credit card if you spend $100 on groceries, and then you pay that when you get your unemployment. So there's a way, but if you have that, that happens because you have good credit and you only use it for a rainy day when it's your last option or you have an you know, emergency. That's what credit cards are considered emergency cards. And so we start saying it's credit, just use it as emergency only, and that's when you pull it out. So those are the things, and I, and I know as African-Americans, the older, well, a lot of the clients that I'm running to, they're scared of credit. We weren't taught to use credit. They would keep money in the mattress, in the refrigerator, things like that. So we have to learn that credit is our friend once you learn how to use it, and it's leverage. When you're starting a business, you don't want to use your own money. You want to keep that. You want to use the bank's money, but it's just knowing how to do it, and then that way you can become, you know, have more assets, and that's the, you know, that's the way to do it. Let's do this. We heard from uh, Miss Wilson, and we heard from Vanetta. Let's hear from Darlene because we got so much valuable information that this show is willing to share with you and get a continuation not only this show, but for future shows, and I actually put this as part of your planning in your life. Well, thank you, MC. I am looking forward to introducing Ms. Martin. Ms. Martin has spent most of her years in banking and wealth management industry, where she started as a tailor and 
uh, Taylor, I'm sorry, worked her way up to assistant vice president in premier banking at Bank of America. Her professional background includes um, president and owner of Money Smart School of Finance for Children, director of training and development at E3 Wealth, academic training leader at Edward Jones, financial advisor with AXA Advisors, and financial advisor with MetLife. For more than years, it's Martin Mattel, licenses of property and casualty health and life insurance, in addition to holding security license. In 2015, she successfully completed requirements of the Nelson Nash um, Infinity Banking Institute to obtain certification as um, an authorized practitioner. Ms. Martin graduated from the Duke Morton Watkins High School in St. Louis, Missouri, and went on to receive a bachelor's degree in business administration from St. Louis University. She is currently pursuing a master's degree in theology studies from Urban Graduate School of Theology. I hope I'm saying that right, or is that Urshan? And Thank you. Thank you. Education toward attaining her doctorate's degree. Ms. Martin believes in giving back to the community. She serves on several committees in her school district. <clears throat> was appointed to the um, District Parent Advisory Committee by former District Superintendent Dr. Denson, and she is a member of the Special School District Parent Advisory Council. Likewise, she is involved with the St. Louis um, un uh, Unbanked Task Force, Bank of Save Up, Missouri Jumpstart Coalition, and St. Louis Financial Education Collaborative. Martin is a former member of the Down Syndrome Association of British St. Louis Board of Directors, where she started the Down Syndrome Association, Young Parents Association, and the Grandparents Association. Ms. Martin is very active at her church, where she has been a member since 1984. She is currently serving as assistant superintendent in the Sunday School Department and is a member of the Ministerial Alliance Executive Board. Ms. Martin resides in St. Louis with her husband of 21 years and her three children, and I'm proud to say she's my sister. I introduce you, Ms. Darlene Martin, to talk to you about Money Smart Financial for Kids. Good evening, everyone. And I first want to start off by saying thank you so much to Judge Martina Peterson and Attorney Rona Holliman-Hughes for the invitation to be with you this evening. Um, I was on mute, but if I had not been on mute, you would have mistakenly heard my accolades in my screen of how proud I am of um, what Miss uh, Massey and Nikki Wilson, the work that they are doing, uh, because what we are teaching our children through Money Smart School of Finance for Children fall right in line with what these ladies are talking about, that as adults, we are faced and and so I was saying to myself, um, uh, ladies, catch on to this. Um, I need you all teaching in our classroom. <laughs> we'll talk about that a little bit later. Money Smart School of Finance for Children is a 501c3 nonprofit organization. Our mission is to teach fundamental and advanced financial competencies using innovative, practical, hands-on techniques that place our children in real-life situations ahead of life.
Christ's dominion. Our purpose is to prepare children to be money-smart adults. How do we go about doing this? First of all, we unapologetically challenge the status quo manner in which our children are educated about money and finance. Now, the buzz phrase uh, in this industry is financial literacy. I want to be clear in stating that literacy simply means a knowledge or proficiency for a particular subject. That subject could be banking, how to create a budget, um, understanding your credit report and your credit score, like Ms. Nikki mentioned, um, earnings and savings. According to DESE, the Department of Elementary and Secondary Education for the state of Missouri, there is a requirement for students to graduate high school, and they require that financial, so many credit hours of financial education. And that financial education has to deal with earning, saving, spending, borrowing, and protecting money. At Money Smart School of Finance for Children, we say financial literacy is just a beginning. It is not the answer to building wealth and closing the racial wealth gap. The reason this is only a beginning, number one, is what about the next generation? So financial literacy alone does not change a person's tax bracket. We are looking to change tax brackets to build assets and wealth that goes, that transfers again to the next generation, which is what Attorney Massey spoke about. So in general, wealth is an accumulation of valuable economic resources that can be measured in terms of either real goods or money value. Possessions of assets that are high in monetary value and money. We know that to build wealth, it takes generations to build. So that's more than just having a good job because we can lose our job at any point. And that good salary goes with that job. At any point, you can become ill and unable to work and continue in the industry in which you build your career. So it's more than making six figures or having a good salary or having a good job. Wealth is generational uh, generations. And so our philosophy at Money Smart School of Finance for Children is reading, writing, arithmetic plus financial capability. And when I speak of financial capability, I'm speaking of not only financial literacy, but ability, which is the competence level in skill. We're speaking of empowerment, which is the authority and the power to act. And we're speaking of access, having access to the resources that are needed for you to maintain and build your wealth. And so then that also plays into keeping an eye on your net worth. Miss Nikki um, spoke a little bit uh, about that without using the exact words. So 
the higher a person's net worth, the wealthier a a person is perceived to be. Net worth determines a person's quality of life and when that person may be able to retire. In addition, we're not just teaching the children about building uh, wealth, maintaining it, and passing it on to the next generation. We have to also deal with finance theory. Finance theory, we deal with neuro-linguistic programming. That has to do with how do you talk to yourself about money? What is your relationship with money? Setting your goals. We talk about neuroeconomics. How a person, I I spoke about um, uh, their relationship with money and how you think about money. And then why? What is your behavior with money or why do you behave in that way? There are some people who um, feel that it's really important to wear the latest design or why it's important to make people think that you're in a better financial position than you really are. What satisfaction do you get out of flaunting the fact that you have something others do not have? There is some type of satisfaction from that. And so we have to deal with that in the classroom and understand that money is simply a tool. It is it does not define who you are. It is not the defining piece of your character. So we we deal with that and then our process at Money Smart School of Finance for Children is to explain expose our children to as many options as possible. We want to build their knowledge. We want to set expectations that are realistic, but pushes their thinking, help them to apply what they have learned ahead of life's demands. Then we want to refine and improve the outcomes. Practice until it is second nature And then we cannot ignore the fact that what you have learned must be passed on to the next generation. So then that means that we have to be in the ear of our children and our grandchildren, our nieces, our nephews, our cousins, our neighbors, so that what we've learned and what we've built does not die with us. It actually lives on. Um, And so some of the things that we teach in the classroom is to understand how the monetary system in the United States works. If you can understand how a system works, you're then better prepared or more prepared to correctly navigate your way through that system. So we want to understand how our monetary system is built. What the federal, the purpose of the Federal Reserve Bank, how our money works. Um, we do real life simulations. One of our simulations is called uh, the head of household simulation, where the children are placed as head of the household. And now they have to make all of these financial decision, decisions for a virtual family that they have. 
I want to share that we were in the midst of uh, this simulation uh, one particular year, and the parents uh, are the debt collectors. And so we have parents as the banker, uh, the parents as the phone company um, worker, uh, the parent is the, the car dealership person. And so each of the children are in a different socioeconomic situation. They will pull a card and it tells them all the background of their family, the credit score, how much the, the family makes. This one particular young lady, um, she was married. Uh, the husband worked, I'm sorry, the husband was a full-time student and so the wife was the worker, the person bringing in the income, and they had children. She was moving about the simulation, paying bills, and then coming home and getting things together. And in the midst of the simulation, she stopped and she said, I can't keep doing this. He has to go to work. This is too much for me. In the middle of the simulation, and we took opportunity to have that conversation. That <laughs> mother, she's a dog. And she said, This is the opportunity for me to help you understand what's really going on. So we want to put them in real life situations where the light bulb comes on before they are adults. And then the resources and build skill level to deal with it on the front end rather than waiting until they're adults making um, mistakes. Then we think about the stock market. Um, passing wealth to the next generation. We challenge your thinking at a higher level through problem solving, analytical thinking, and forecasting. Um, they make presentations every two weeks. They make a presentation uh, based upon what they have learned. And then we have um, a parents' association where the parents are very involved. Now, I also want to admit, and I want to be very clear about it, we are not only teaching children how to be savvy in our competition, we're putting real money in investment accounts on their behalf. So our first place winner, the, the parents actually opened an investment account with a wealth manager, a custodian account for that client. And depending upon where they rank, first place, second place, or third place, there are real dollars for money smart going into those investment accounts so that they are building wealth instead of graduating from high school. So I've anywhere from sixth grade to twelfth grade. We have two students that I am proud to say this summer. Got their first in the job and they opened Roth IRA at 15 years old. Wow. We have a lot, of, a lot of great things going on in this program. This is an excellent program. I think that we may need to have you come back on another day and maybe give some of those suggestions and ideas and set up to some of our leaders because this sounds like a wonderful program. Okay, just by the way, okay, this whole program is, is, is being recorded and it is. 
office phone number is 913-492-1822. And I thank you for the opportunity to be with you this evening. Uh, judge. Yes, my name is Martina Peterson. I'm a municipal court judge in Kansas City. You can always reach me through um, MC. I'm never ever in my, my office, so um, MC has my number. You can always reach me if you need to get a hold of me. And those of you who are interested in becoming a member of the United Minority Media Association, just give me a call at 816-822-8866. And you know, we have some tremendous and informational shows that we put on and we give thanks to uh, Ferguson USA HotTalkRadio.com and that newly formed Missouri Black Chamber of Commerce so be sure to tell your friends to tune in we got we deal with construction we deal with other organizations but we need to collaborate and we also need to work together. And with that in mind, I'll get the opportunity to do this one second promotion and we're out of here. Yeah, well, my name is Alan Post with the Missouri Bachelor of Commerce, and uh, we have to be uh, part of the program with MC, and, uh, and he's right there, our president in Kansas City. And we have a lot of programs that start into the new year, and I love to collaborate with all you people that's on the phone because we have some great things taking place. It would benefit the whole state of Missouri, not just St. Louis. Because we're planning on now creating a virtual more, um, marketplace, which is a virtual mall for the state of Missouri. And you all can be a part of that mall. I would appreciate it very much. And you can also contact me through NC also. Thank you all again. Happy New Year to everyone. Thank you, ladies. We know y'all control the world, and we're happy to be affiliated with you. <laughs> we're, only, we're only as good as our partners, so we need you men as well. So thank you for having me on here. You're checking the mail. Happy New Year, everyone. Be safe. Happy New Year. Thank you, Scott Owens, also our gentleman and our engineer. Right. Without him, it wouldn't be possible. But we want to start uh, spiral uh, passing in both Kansas City and St. Louis, where we can reach the world through these two entities. Amen. Amen. Hey, have a great evening. All right. All right. All right. All right. Kansas City. Kansas City, here I come. They got some the little women. One day I'm gonna get me one. 